You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. Well, who's ever heard that phrase, it takes a village? We heard it just before, didn't we? Tara might have mentioned it. It takes a village to raise a child. I'm sure most of us have heard this before. Some of us might even kind of live by this to some one degree or another. This, this phrase, it takes a village to raise a child, is based on a, a Nigerian proverb, actually, it, which is, it takes the community village to raise a child. And it highlights a, it's a, a really important reality, that it takes the input of many positive influences to successfully raise a human being. That's what it highlights. Children, you know, I'm talking in an, in an ideal world here. I understand this is not always possible for a range of reasons. But generally speaking, children do best when they receive positive input from both parents, grandparents, uncles, aunties, um, you know, uncles and aunties, spiritual grandparents from a church community, as well as other positive input from other significant adults too. And in more recent times, or I'm feeling a little bit old, I know I'm not old, but I'm feeling a little bit older because I remember 1996. And this was when Hillary Clinton released, released her book, and that's 27 years ago. Can you believe that? Do the maths. That blew my mind. Anyway, so Hillary Clinton, she released a book called It Takes a Village to Raise... It Takes a Village, yes. And um, in this book, she, she basically shares this vision for this idea of, of a village a bit broader, that not only is it you know, a local family or, or smaller, like a sporting club with good influences for a kid or something like that, but as Michael Youssef, a pastor from the US, says... She viewed it as all of society, including schools, houses of worship, doctors and businesses, but most of all, government programs. Now, don't don't mishear what I'm saying today. Some of these influences are really helpful, aren't they? Some of these influences are positive, really good for our children to be involved in, to experience as they grow up and develop. But as you no doubt recognise, whether you, you would say that you're a follower of Jesus or maybe someone who's never thought about following him before, I'm sure you'd agree that not all these influences are necessarily helpful. Not all of them are necessarily helpful. Not all priorities, not all messages that are promoted in our modern day village, so to speak, are actually helpful or positive for children. In fact, some of them can have an incredibly detrimental impact on young, developing minds and hearts. Now, if you're here today and, and you're a follower of Jesus, or maybe you're here and you're somewhat familiar with the Bible, you, you'll probably know that God has an awful lot to say about parenting, about raising children. God designed marriage, one man with one woman. He designed the family, and God's greatest desire for all children, is that they would come to know and love and worship him. In fact, that's God's desire for every single one of us, irrespective of age. That's his heart. He longs that all people would find freedom and life and purpose and hope through placing faith in him 
and following him, becoming born again, as born again spiritually, becoming um, members of his own family, adopted sons and daughters of God. That is God's plan for everyone. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to reflect on God's desire for parents to be wise as they raise their children, ensuring that the village that their their children are raised in is chock-a-block full of positive influences, the right kind of influences, people who can, and then not only can, but actually do. There's a commitment from them to embrace their responsibility to come alongside parents in nurturing children's faith development, to do everything that they can, everything that they can, to see children come to know and love and follow Jesus in life. Because that is God's ultimate desire for every child. That's God's ultimate desire for for Joel. And that is wisdom. So how about we take a moment just to pray as we open God's word and let's invite God just to really speak to our hearts, but also soften our hearts so that what I'm saying doesn't just come out and you go, oh yeah, that's interesting. But what I'm saying being what God says and his heart would actually penetrate deep within and change and challenge our hearts so we can all play our part and the role that he wants us to play. Let's pray. Loving Jesus, we thank you so much for you. Thank you, Jesus, for your incredible love. Thank you, Jesus, that you, as we celebrated before, the the length to which you went to dive in behind enemy lines into this world for our sake. We are just so in awe of that. And God, we thank you that not only is there, um, you know, not only is salvation good for, for those of us who are older, salvation is good for our children too. You died that our children might be set free. You died that all people might be set free and find life and hope in you. And so God, today, as we, as we look at this, this, this idea of it takes a village, Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts, encourage us, stir us, help us to see our unique role that we all have to play, whether we have children ourselves, whether we know any children ourselves, whatever it is, God, you have a unique role for each of us to play. So open our hearts to that, open our minds to that, open our eyes to see as you see, so we can step up and step in to what you have for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's read Proverbs 23, verse 24. It's up on the up on the screen there. This is from the New Living Translation. The father of godly children has cause for joy. What a pleasure to have children who are wise. You know, that, that really is, that's the end goal of parenting, that we, those of us who are parents, would invest in such a way over many, many, many hard, tiring years with nappies and tantrums and all sorts of things, that we would invest in such a way that our children would ultimately one day end up being truly wise. And children, as I said before, they're they're wise when they encounter the love of Jesus Christ and then choose to follow him themselves. That's true wisdom. That, according to God, is how life is lived best. As Proverbs 9.10, again from the New Living Translation, says, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Another translation, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. 
You know, this, this word fear does have a little bit to do with, you know, recognising, <laughs> coming before God and recognising that he is truly awesome, he's awe-inspiring, he's, he's beyond our imagination, but it also means to, to have reverence and respect. So when, when fear of the Lord being the beginning of wisdom, it's saying a respect of the Lord, a, a, a reverence for the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's respect for who he is. That's respect for his priorities, for his ways. God says to all children and the bigger ones too, to all of us adults, if we want to have wisdom, we need to start from a place of reverence before him. Now, here's the, here's the thing, friends, and, and I tell you what, I certainly didn't understand this until I had children of my own. Children just don't magically come into this world as, as perfect little cherubs, do they? With hearts just ready to, to, you know, sacrificially love other people, obey their parents whenever their parents ask them to do something, be kind and generous, share their belongings when they see another hapless child in need. You know, that's not exactly putting, their need, putting the needs of others before their own. That's, that's just not what kids do, do they? Who knows this to be true? Before I had kids, I was just so naive. I, I, I'll, I'll own it. I was super naive. I just thought kids were pure. I thought they were perfect. I thought they were just bundles of joy. They didn't go out of their way to sin or intentionally cause harm to anyone else. Their hearts... I must be just different to mine. They're not plagued by sin like mine is. And then I had three kids, and I quickly realised just how wrong I was. You know, spend five minutes in our house, and for most parents, especially with kids my age, the time from 5pm is not the time you want to be visiting our home. Because 5pm is that mad, after school, feed the kids, get sorted, get get um, in the bath, out of the bath, hair combed, all that sort of thing, quick feed, all that kind of thing, have dinner, have time to then go and brush teeth, go to the toilet, do our devotions, and then get them into bed. It is a crazy time. You'll see just how this kind of thing would play out if you had the, it's not a privilege, if you had the, <laughs> the horrible experience of joining us at, from time to time around 5 p.m., now, Laura and I, my wife and I, we didn't need to teach our children how to be selfish, proud, angry, rude. They just seemed to be naturally good at those things. Yeah? Very talented kids. From those, from those early toddler years of having that look in their eye. You know, anyone who spends time with kids, you know what I'm talking about. That look in their eye where just before they whack the dog or throw a toy straight at the head of their sibling or, or intentionally whack their block trolley smack bang into your Achilles heel. Man, that hurts. <laughs> or <laughs> seeing their sibling just about to tumble down the stairs, they sort of sidle over and give a slight little push to send them on their ways. You know, I saw firsthand that my kids were broken just like me. My kids were broken just like me. Different behaviours, sure. I mean... Let's, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I rarely push people down the stairs nowadays. That's good. <laughs> but this very same issues at the core of their being. I realise my children, just like me, have divided, sick, sinful hearts that desperately need transformation. They need guidance. They need shaping. 
The prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament, he nailed it when he said this about all of our hearts in Jeremiah 17.9. He says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. And the psalmist, you might um, be familiar with this perhaps, Psalms are good to read. Psalm 51.5, his words are perfectly true. He's lamenting the condition of his own heart. He writes this, he says, Surely I was sinful from at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Not one of us, not one of us, even our beautiful children, and I've painted a pretty bleak picture here. My kids aren't that, quite that bad. Um, but every single one of us, even our beautiful children, none of us have a healthy heart. None of us have. All of us need to have hearts that are purified, hearts that are worked on. We all need to actively keep or guard our hearts. As Proverbs 4.23 says, because from our hearts flow the springs of life. Or as another translation says, above all else, we are to guard our heart for everything we do flows from it. Everything we do flows from this thing. I'm not talking about a thing that's pumping blood around our our bodies right now. I'm talking about the spiritual center of our being, the thing that motivates our core motivations, our thoughts, our attitudes, our, our desires, that kind of thing, our will, in a sense. Now, one of the most helpful books that Laura and I have read around parenting is a book by Ted Tripp called Shepherding a Child's Heart. And in this book, Tripp encourages parents to be wise by realising a crucial and central truth around raising children. The most important thing we can do as parents is investing our energies in shaping our children's hearts. That's his, that's his basic contention. He argues quite well, and, and parents, if, if you want, I encourage you, grab yourself a copy of the book for yourself. But he argues really well that Too often, as parents, we get caught up in behaviour management. Parents, how often do we do that? Multiple times a day. Multiple times a day. We try to manage or or control our children's behaviour. We we see them going to to hit others, so we, we jump on it. Don't do that. Or, you know, when we see them going to bite or tongue kiss the dog. Yep, I've seen that happen. We, we jump on it and, oh, don't do that. That's disgusting. You don't know where that tongue's been. I know where it's been. You don't want to do that. Ramming a sibling with their block trolley and we jump. Oh, no, that's not how we treat people, you know. And we're just jumping from one thing to the other like this, aren't we? And then at the end of the day, we, we jump into bed and, with exhaustion and wonder if any of our efforts were really worthwhile at all. Now, don't get me wrong. They're, they're important things and behaviours to iron out and work on. But, but what Tripp's getting at is that we spend, parents so often spend so much time dealing with the behaviour that we fail to get underneath the behaviour and get down to the actual heart of the matter. Because, as the Bible says, a child's behaviour flows from the very state of their heart. Has anyone seen the latest Super Mario Brothers movie? Oh, come on, guys. Wait until next Saturday. That's right. Stick around for then. It's, it's such a fantastic movie. I, I watched it with my kids, and especially if anyone maybe from my generation or, or a few decades older than me, um, 
you, anyone who's grown up in that Nintendo age of the Game Boys or the Super Mario, hey, here's one in the front here. Go ahead, Michael. Playing Nintendo consoles, Mario Kart, Nintendo 64, all the other Mario games. The movie, for those of you who've, who can relate, it's, it's full of reference after reference after reference. So you'll be watching something and you'll be like, oh, that's right, that game, or oh, yeah, I remember that. It's fantastic. Took me right back. Anyway, there's a scene early on in the movie where there's this major plumbing issue hitting Brooklyn, New York City. And the water supply pipes are just bursting everywhere. There's just water flowing through the city. People are walking along and then all of a sudden out of the pavement, boom, another massive thing of water flows. It's just causing, causing flooding, obviously destruction, but also widespread panic. It was not good. And as, as normally happens in, in, in um, cities or, or regions, there were some council workers on it. And as always, what are they doing? They're in a circle talking about how we think... No, I'm just joking. Sorry. Sorry if you're a council worker. That's a bit rude. But they may as well have been doing that because they were just jumping from one thing to the next. And they were sort of plugging this hole and then all of a sudden, psh, and they were back over here and... And they were just going from one to another. It just was not working. And so, enter the wise duo of Mario and his brother Luigi. And they, they came, they assessed it, they knew that this approach that was happening just wasn't going to cut it. So what did they do? They attempted to get to the heart of the matter. They, they, they ducked down into the underground in Manhattan, the big sewer system, and they headed deep down, trying to, to find the main shutoff valve for all the water through the whole region. They were trying to deal with the issue at its source. And you can watch it in a few weeks at 6.30 here at Liberty Family Church and invite your friends and family to find out what happens next. I'm not going to spoil any more than that. But watching this scene and how it played out, for me... It just spoke to me about how futile so much of my parenting approach can be. Maybe that kind of illustrates how futile perhaps your parenting approach can be at times. How the the normal parenting way of of behaviour management, how futile it actually is. You know, we spend hours and hours as parents dealing with all sorts of behaviours that crop up often exactly like that. We get one under control and then another one's spurting up there, so we duck over here and, and just from one to the other to the other. And all too often, we, we kind of deal with the visible behaviours, the leaks, so to speak, without going deeper and working on guiding, shaping, shepherding, caring for the source of our child's behaviour, our child's heart. Now, you might be thinking, well, that's lovely. We'd, we'd be wise to focus our attention on the hearts if we were parents. But what's all this got to do with me? What's this got to do with it takes a village? Well, here's my point. It takes a village to shepherd a child's heart to love and follow Jesus. It takes a village. It doesn't just take someone's parents. It's not going to take just Tara and Josh to see Joel's heart shaped in such a way that he'll come to know and love and follow Jesus all the days of his life, it's going to take all of us. It's going to take investment from every single one of us. For those of us who can follow Jesus, who follow Jesus as adults, we know this is a pretty tough world to live in, don't we? 
It's not easy living in this society. And if we're, if we're people of faith, it's not easy to remain faithful to Jesus in this society we're living in. Everywhere we turn, we're faced with temptations, challenges that can very easily take us away from following that less tread road after Jesus and him. Things that can rob us of joy and the life that we've been designed to enjoy, life in freedom, life with him. Even some of the best things in life, as we've been looking at in recent weeks, if we're not careful, they can actually take us away or distract us from what is actually best, knowing and enjoying Jesus. And if, you, if you're here today or listening and you, know, you, you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus, I'm sure you'd at least agree with me when I say that this life is not easy to navigate. It's not an easy life to live. There are countless pressures, there are countless challenges and hardships that we face in life. Illnesses, cost of living pressures, gas bills that are like $700. I checked my thing this morning. I'm like, wow, that's a lovely gas bill. Great. Gas prices sure have gone up. You know, um, hardships that we face, relationship breakdowns, disappointments, regrets, plenty of things that we go through and, and deal with in life as adults are hard to handle. Now if, now, if it's hard enough for us, think about this. How hard is that for a little child? How hard is this world to navigate for a tender, vulnerable little child. You know, not only do they live in the world I've described, but they're living in this challenging environment while developing physically, which, puberty, that can be tough, working out how to do friendships. As they age, they're, they're dealing with, with peer pressure, encountering, encountering social media and the WWW, trying to understand who they are in the midst of all this with, with so many different things saying, this is who you are or you can be who you want to be and it's just such a confusing place to exist. And all the while wrestling, sadly, with many, many, many ideas and concepts that little brains and little hearts should never have to deal with or perhaps not have to deal with until they're much, much older. You know, we've all got a tough living in this world today, but children have got it really tough. There's no question about that. The best thing that parents can do, as I said back in May at, at young Caleb's dedication, is to guide children in such a way that they would discover relationship with Christ and then support them to follow God's ways. And whilst this, pri- this, is, it, this does pr- primarily fall on parents, so if you know, if you're a parent of kids today and, and you, you haven't been kind of thinking about this, and I'll, I'll just be clear with you so it can be clear for you. God expect the ultimate responsibility is on you to spiritually guide and shape your children. That, that's, that's how it works. That's how God's designed it. That's how it works best. But it's not just on you. It's not just on you. It's on all of us. It's on the village. And this is where the village comes in. Those of us who are, who are parents, particularly of, of young children, can I, can I ask you a challenging question? Who are the five people, who are the five people other than you who 
are intentionally investing in your child or children spiritually? Who are the five people? And here's a challenging question for for all of us here today. Who are the children, who are the children that I'm intentionally investing in spiritually? Who are the children that I'm investing in spiritually? Why do I say that? Why why do I say the, the, the five? Well, Dr. Cara Powell and Dr. Chap Clark in their book, Sticky Faith, They reflect on the findings of of multiple academic studies that have shown that for children to have a lasting faith, not only do they need to have parents who are the real deal, you know, parents who who don't practice one thing on a Sunday and then live a completely different life all through the week, parents that, that, yeah, that aren't the hypocritical Christian but are genuinely Christian authentic in their faith, people who live out the gospel, not only preaching it. Not only do kids need that, but they also need approximately five other adults, five other adults in their lives who are intentionally investing in them spiritually. Mm, That's where the five comes in. And as um, Shirley Ems, she's a writer for the Gospel Coalition Africa, she says, this finding shows that the discipleship influence of others matters when it comes to the fruit of your child's faith. The discipleship influence of others matters. And there's no question that our children, from the youngest child, like Joel, or even younger, to the very soon-to-be adult teenager, they need positive inputs. They need people in their lives who they know have got their back. But not only that, like, I don't know. Does sometimes I think we, we can kind of be like at a at a safe distance supports. Do you know what I'm saying? Like we're like, oh yeah, I've got your back and go well, but that's about it. Kids need more than that. They need people who are championing them. They need people who are reaching out and encouraging them. They need the kind of things that that I look back on in my life and I'm so grateful that I had this from some significant others in my life who would like write me Bible verses and slip them to me, that they would see me doing something and give me a bit of a whack over the head because they're like, what are you doing that for, you idiot? You know, we need people like that. Children need people who are looking out for them and encouraging them and shaping them spiritually, not just their parents but other people too. Parents, I want to encourage you today with God's help. And it's always with God's help. This is not in our own strength because who knows, if we try and do anything in our own strength, how long is it going to last? Half a day, (laughs) maybe. Maybe a bit longer if we're lucky. But let's not do it that way. Let's join with Holy Spirit who wants to empower us to do the things that God asks us to do. And this thing is one of the main things. If you're a parent, this is one of your biggest responsibilities to do all you can to show your children the wonder of the gospel, to live yourself, your own life, in light of the gospel, so that you are an authentic follower, so that they look to you and they don't see, you know, just someone that is like, oh yeah, says one thing on a Sunday and doesn't live it the rest of the day, puts on a show for other people to be a good Christian, but behind closed doors, if only people knew. No, none of that to be the kind of authentic people that when they look to us, they see Jesus. When they look to us, they're encouraged to press in and to dig deeper in relationship with him 
themselves. And here's the thing, parents, one of the, one of the most powerful things that I've been learning more and more and more, and because I get it wrong every single day. Maybe you're with me, I don't know. But one thing that I've learned more than more is the power of modelling forgiveness, the power of modelling repentance to your own children. To, you know, when your kids make a mistake, to, offer, to be quick to sort it out, but then to offer them forgiveness, to, to lift them back up, to shower them with kindness rather than condemnation. When, and then when I've fallen short, when I've raised my voice or when I've been short or when I've, you know, ignored them or whatever it is, actually getting down on their level and, and sitting with them and seeking their forgiveness and saying, I'm so sorry that I, that I, I fobbed you off there, Anna. I, you know, I can't imagine how that must have felt for you. Will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? And it's just powerful. It's powerful stuff. But it's so powerful when it comes from a, a parent because all of a sudden they see, oh, wow, not only are we learning about the forgiveness of God, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it here in my, my parent forgiving me. Or not only are we learning about what it means to repent and come back with sorrow back to God, my, my dad or my mum has just modelled that to me. They're genuinely sorry for their sin. They, they actually love Jesus. They know him. You know what I'm saying? You know, your faithfulness in your own walk with Jesus and inviting them in to your relationship with Jesus will have a profound impact on their likelihood of coming to know Jesus personally, on them sticking with Jesus in life when it gets harder to navigate and more complicated. And the good news, parents, is it's not on us fully in the sense that it's not just by our own efforts and striving, but we join with the Holy Spirit who wants to empower us for every good work. Amen? So let him lead you in this work. Let him be the wind in your sails, so to speak, pushing you on, encouraging you to keep taking ground, one day at a time, one moment at a time, winning the day. Yeah? But don't stop there. Don't leave the other spiritual influences to chance. You know, don't kind of, I, I, I'm sure, um, Jerry, in a, in, a, in a Christian school, you might think, have, have heard this before, but sometimes people think, oh, well, I'll send my kids to a Christian school and then they'll get it. Well, there's no guarantee there. They might and they should. They'll get a well-rounded Christian worldview and, and help to understand the world and their place in it and their identity in Christ and all that sort of thing. But teachers have a whole lot of other kids to invest in too. They can't necessarily be the, one of those five for your kid. So don't rely on, on teachers, sporting coaches or other adults who maybe may or may not be the influences you want them to be. I encourage you, intentionally seek out people. Seek out the five and invite them to be that kind of person for your child. Invite them to be that spiritual influencer for your kids. And I mean, this is a call for all of us. This is a challenge. This is an invitation, but it's a joy as well. As with anything in the gospel, it might feel hard and it will be hard as we, as we shift somewhat to adopting new ways or new habits. But then when we're in it, we discover there's a great joy in it. There's a great, a, yeah, just like a, a, an all-in together kind of joy and experience of being this together. And here it is. I believe that, that God's just encouraging us to, to rise up, to rise up to live as a healthy village, 
to rise up and live as a healthy village in this way, to step out, to step up, and to step into this important, crucial, life-changing, literally life-changing, and not even life-changing, eternity-changing work. Let's be real. Eternity-changing work. Let's all grow as positive, encouraging, Jesus-loving, gospel-centred influencers of the next generations. Let's all play our part that God has for us in shaping children's hearts to know and love and follow Jesus. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. And that's what, ultimately, every single one of our children desperately need. Desperately need. Will we step up, church? Will we step up, friends? Family and and friends of Joel, is that something that you may consider to be something that you could do, that you could provide for Joel yourself? If we join with Jesus in this work, we can be sure that our joy will be full. Our joy will be full. Life is meant to be lived with Jesus and life serving Jesus and joining together as a village of Jesus' followers is what we're all called to enjoy. So let's do it. Let's grow as people who play our role in the village in shepherding children's hearts. How about I just pray for all of us as we bring our service to a close this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Jesus, we are just so grateful. We are so grateful, God, for the the joy that, that we have and the joy that can be found through relationship with you. I pray, God, that as, as, we've, as we've heard this word, as we've considered this word, as we've considered the reality that at the very core of our beings, our, we, we have divided hearts, we have sinful hearts, we have hearts that want to live for self and not for others. We have hearts that, that want to be proud and, and arrogant and yet they're, they're not the kind of hearts that, that want to lay down our lives or, or serve or bless. And so, God, we need help, all of us, from the, from the oldest person here or watching online to the very youngest, we all need help. And we thank you, God, that you're in the business of transforming hearts. You're in the business of, of making hearts come alive again. And so, Lord, we pray that if, if we're here today and, you know, we're... we're considering the claims of, of Jesus Christ, thinking about his sacrifice on the cross, wondering about what that might mean for me. Lord, I pray that by your spirit that you would bring peace, that you would bring just a word in season for people who are in that place and that they might make today the day where they receive a new heart, a transformed heart, as they place their faith in you. And God, I pray more broadly, Lord, for all of us, as a village in raising and shepherding young children's hearts, Lord, we pray that you would help us by your Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that it's not by our might, not by our power, but by the Spirit. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would enable us to rise up, to step out, to, to play those important, those crucial roles for children so that their hearts might be continually shaped, not just by their parents, influence, but by all of our influences, so their hearts would be transformed, that they would be soft and receptive to hearing the gospel, 
and they would be soft and receptive to then receiving um, Jesus through faith and then following you all their days, living out the gospel till you return or they're called home. And God, we pray for parents too, Lord, that you would help and encourage parents to know that in the end, Lord, you will empower them for this work. It can feel big, it can feel daunting, but one faithful step at a time, we can achieve and, and plant seeds toward this great end goal of seeing our children come to know you and serve you all their days, simply by joining with you in this work. So will you join with parents, God? Will, parent, will we as parents all have hearts that are open to working with you? And we pray, Holy Spirit, that we might get great joy as we see in the midst of all the challenges of parenting, but as we see kingdom fruit start to flourish in our children's lives and their hearts' attitudes change, their actions towards others shifting as you become more and more real to them and, Holy Spirit, you move in power through their lives. We pray this, Jesus. We pray this all in your mighty name, knowing that your heart is that all of our hearts would find complete satisfaction through faith in you, Jesus. May we all come to that place for the first time today or even afresh this morning. And may we all play our part in shepherding young children and older children's hearts so that they might come to love and follow you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.